Welcome to the Time Out Podcast with Tony McGettigan. Because we all need a little time out from life. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 48 of the Time Out Podcast with me, Tony McGettigan. And it gives me a great honour to say that my guest today is for me the biggest name there is in Donegal GA history. Uh, he was player manager of Donegal in 1972 and 1974 when we won our first and second Ulster titles. In his second stint in charge of Cheer Connell, he led us to our third Ulster title. He returned once again in 89 to lead Donegal to two more Ulster titles in 1992, and that was of course followed by the Holy Grail itself in September 92, when he was uh, the first Donegal manager to lead the senior Donegal team to the Sam Maguire, and his name is Brian McInniff. Brian, it's a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's nice to be talking to the people of Narasa. <laughs> yeah, lovely to speak to you. A lot of good memories down there from my years down there playing I go back a long time to the late Dan Moore. That's right, yes. Because uh, I remember playing at trials and they used to want to know who this man with the phony name was because McIniff was never heard tell of because I went to boarding school in Mahon because we in Bundor are in the Trahar Diocese. Yes. In fact, Bundor and half of Ballyshannon are the one parish. And then we go out by Pettico in Lockdark and then to all of Fermanagh and Monaghan. And we covered the Clahar Valley and County Tyrone, so it's a well spread out uh, diocese. And then when you go to the far side of Ballyshan, it's Rafo Diocese, in which you are yourselves, Rafo. Yes. So it's, it's a strange setup, you know. So, like, when I came home for County Minor Trials as a young lad, Dan Bonner used to talk about this man with a strange name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Dan was a great, he was a great GA man himself, wasn't he, Brian? He's a mighty GA man. There's no doubt about that in his own right, long before uh, Declan and Sean. Yeah. That's right. And Donald. That's right, Donald and Michael. And yeah, great, great family of the, the, the GA. He was a very good club player as well. He was indeed. But it's it's a great privilege to speak to you, Brian, and I suppose um, it's a great timing for this podcast because uh, the league returns um, this weekend, the Alliance Football League, and uh, Donegal. We're just going to be previewing uh, the games uh, first of all, folks. Uh, some of the games tomorrow or on, on the this weekend in the league, and then we'll be talking about memories of '92. But to start off, Brian, uh, Donegal face a very tricky opener in the league against Tyrone away. We feel more than tricky. We feel we're going to feel a tough opener because you're going to have new management there in Tyrone. And like all new management coming in, they always like to start with a win. And they they'll do. be well up for the game. On top of that, you know, they have uh, all the players back and, and that will make them stronger again. But at the same time, they can only play with 15. There's some talk locally that we might be short some players, but... Uh, It'd be that, as it may, for us to progress, we're going to have a good, need a good strong panel of it between 25 and 28 players. Yes. And it'll give someone else an opportunity to, 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 to break into the side. It's great to see Oren McNeil is back in the squad as well. He'll be a welcome addition to the team when we get back into stride. And I'm really looking forward to it. At one stage, I thought I'd like to go to it. But then when I saw the hurling game last week, weekend, uh, and the lack of atmosphere with the spectators, I says, no, I just wouldn't like to be there, although I have a, a great love of home because my mother was a Tyrone woman. That's right. And uh, I just, I always loved going home because she, she lived 10 miles out the road in a little village called Carrickmore, where she is. Oh, it's a great, it's always well known, that yes, place, yeah. Very, very, very well known. The most championships won in Tyrone over the years, Carrickmore. 
I have very strong ties with Tyrone, but when it comes to playing football, <laughs> all those ties are broken. That's right. <laughs> That's one that the, the battle lines are drawn, as you say. The Donny Gallman, through and through. And uh, as you said, it's an interesting scenario, Tyrone. You've got uh, Fergal Logan and uh, Brian Doher. Brian um, Doher, they're, they're two capable of young young men. I actually managed both of them, but managing Brian Doher. Uh, uh, and he wasn't her telef really with Mickey Hart. He was playing under Arthur McCrory and Arthur introduced him to me, you know, as a player for the future and by God he proved himself and his worth. Fergal Logan was a non-compromising centre half back and has proved his worth at underage level at Tyrone. So that's a strong management team coming in and they'll want to prove their, prove themselves against Donegal now on Saturday night. And uh, we will, of course, we will be smarting still for that Cavan defeat. So we, we have a point to prove to the squad themselves and to, the, to their supporters uh, that uh, the Cavan game was only a hiccup. But uh, it's going to be it's going to be a tough game to win, and uh, it will need to be just at the peak of our form to, to, to take two points out of, out, out of Oma. Well, it, it's never an easy place to go for for Donegal teams, uh, Healy Park, uh, Brain. But as you alluded to there. It's it's a very it's, it is a, a tough opener and uh, Tyrone will be out for revenge of course because Donegal knocked him out of the championship last year. And that's very very true. We had back to back games with them and I was delighted we won both games because I was fearful that we might carry both because the first one, the league match was important. The fact that we wanted to retain Division One status, which is always very very important at this stage. But if you go back in time. Uh, their first championship match played in, in Healy Park. They opened it in 72, but they didn't play a championship match until 74. And it was the first round match between Donegal and Tyrone in, in, in Healy Park. And uh, there was a, a match played in 73, the year before, when we were Ulster champions, and Tyrone came to Ballabafay and turned us over. Yes. So back in the, into Healy Park in 74, uh, we had a point to prove, and that we did do, in fact, I was so up for the game. I took the team to Jackson's Hotel the night before. I stayed in Jackson's and we took a coach, Michael Lafferty's father actually drove the coach and he knew the roads well. And there was no dressing rooms in Oma, so we togged out and Kim togged out and straight into the pitch of the coach. And the arrangement was as soon as the final whistle went because there was a lot of uh, bad blood between Donegal and Tyrone those years. And I mean bad blood. Uh, we ran straight onto the coach and out the out the back roads and home to Ballabafay. Yes. With a three-point win, and it was, it was a hell of a good win because Tyrone were quite a sight at the time. It just shows you the rivalry has dated back decades between Tyrone and Donegal, Brian. Oh, well, well, well without, without doubt, you know, like Tyrone uh, never rose in football until, uh, well, the one minor all Ireland, I think, back to back in 47, 48, but the one that was the first Ulster final, the same day as Donegal won the first minor championship final was in 56 when Tyrone beat Cavan who were uh, the masters of Ulster at the time and, and we beat our man the minor final and yes. uh, it was a great day to be in Clonus as a young boy I know he didn't get to the semi-final against Galway who went on to win the All-Ireland but I was there the following year when Tyrone were beaten again by Louth by a couple of points I went up with the train from Carrick Moore to support Tyrone naturally enough but our miners unfortunately bit the dust and those to find against Armagh that day. So we only the one time in Crow Park. Well, still, it's still great memories, I'm sure. Uh, even though it was a, a unfortunate, it came up short that time, but it was great memories, I'm sure, and it, it moulded you with what was to come in later years, Brian. 
Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Like, I, my, the drone team, the team is still in my head. I could give you the full 15, from 1, to, 1 to 15 of that drone team. Such was my great interest in drone at the time because our, our senior team, and I always contend now that the senior team in the 50s was good enough. We just we didn't gel really as a county at championship level. We'd have got a good enough league runs in the kind of cup, but you know, and even in the, into the 60s, we, we I'd say that the squad of players that we had in the 60s probably were as good and, and better than most other squads, but somehow we just never seemed to be make the break, breakthrough. We were beating the Norse finals. Yes. The first one was in 63, which was the first one we ever reached. Went down, beat us well in, in Breffney. And then the one in 66 was played in Kissman Park. It was the day after England won the, 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 the World Cup. Oh, yes. And uh, coming on as a sub in that match late in the game and, and uh, a down team that was kind of going past us, sell by day, beat us that day in a very, very poor Ulster final. It was the first Ulster final that was ever televised. I see. Uh, it, 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 it turned out to be a very damp squib because it was a very poor game. Well, now those down teams though of the sixties, even though as you say they were getting uh, maybe past their best, they were still a mighty fine side, one of the great Ulster sides. Oh, there's no doubt about that. They, they played with a swagger. They had a, a, an arrogance about them, you know, and, and, and uh, just we we would play them well enough in the league and beat them in the league. But come championship, we just they put us to the sword many years in a row, and it was dis- disappointing because when we made our first initial breakthrough in 1972, that was the first time we had beaten them in championship after the race to fame. Yeah, of course. That was a, a mighty year for Donegal football, Brian. When you consider it, it was the, the for, our first um, Ulster title, and uh, oh, you yeah, played you yeah. played a, a pivotal role because you were also the the player manager as well. Oh, it was it was we were, we were a good squad of players, you know. When you think that that same thirteen of that side were beaten by Leitrimmon in, in the league match before Christmas in nineteen seventy one, it was a great turnaround. But it just shows you that that. The footballer, footballers are all, always there in Donegal, and always has been in Donegal. Definitely so. Football has been such a, it's been such a, it's a, it's a big number one love in Donegal for sure, and fans are so excited to see it back uh, this weekend. Uh, Brian, it's, it's, it's important that we, 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 we start with a win because it, it'll give us a great fill-up because it's a very contracted league because there's only the four Ulster teams in it, you know. That's right. And a loss puts you in a relegation problem right away, you know. Well, we're in a strange situation too, Brian, where we can't actually win the league. They're, they're, they're saying we can't win the league because of the, the fixture congestion, like we're out in the preliminary round. So let's say if it all goes well for Donegal and we win every match, we, we win the semi-final and at the knockout stage, we're not in a position to, to contest the yeah, final. Really. Well, as long as we can go into Newry and, and on the last day in June, last Sunday in June, and win, we won't worry too much about the well, National League. That's true, that's <laughs> the championship, that's the, the big game. That's, that's all that. Yeah, and that's a tough, a really tough opener too for Donegal, down away. Yes, down, down of all is still have that swagger and always have those forwards that can score goals. And it's something that you have to be very wary of. Okay. And, uh, I'm quite sure that after getting her pedal still knocked by the calf, and I'm sure we'll be well up for that down match. But only, you know, we take that in a storm. But we've a good, a good run into the match. We have Tyrone, Monaghan, and Armada, three good fixtures. That's right. Yeah, so in a way it'll blend any goal of what's to come because it's obviously uh, set out in such a way that it's going to be uh, the northern uh, half in the league. But uh, when you look at it as well, Brian, just could touch on Donegal another uh, few seconds against Throne this weekend. Of course, uh, McFadden Ferry is coming back into the fray as well, but I'm, I'm not sure he'll be back in time for this game. 
Well, he wouldn't be no. match fit. I know that they haven't had any matches without the Lebanon, and I'm sure know the lad that he would have. He'd be in very good shape. But I so wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if he's introduced at some stage of the match. Uh, he, 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 before he went to the Lebanon, he was based here just out the road from Bundoran at Finra Camp. Yes, and uh, you know, maybe you might sign from Bundoran yet. Uh, <laughs> you'd be a happy man if that happened, Brian. <laughs> Some chance of Quidor man. I'll tell you what, he, he, he was a key role in that Quidor's uh, Ulster club. Oh, I, I tell you what, I like him. It's a good bit of bite in him, you know. There that's is. important. I'll tell you something at all. Quidor, uh, <laughs> there's always a bit of bite, never far away. <laughs> but uh, good, solid players, and uh, it's a real boost to Declan Boner to, to have him back. And it's it's going to be an exciting um, game. And Gillespie, Gillespie's back too. That's uh, right. When he gets a couple of games under his belt. Yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting tussle uh, as well. But uh, just to move on as well, uh, Brian uh, Kerry played Galway uh, as well. And that's actually the, the very first game of the National Football League. And that's uh, at 3pm. And, and that's uh, on the Saturday. It's Austin Stack. Uh, Kerry, of course, huge blow last year going out in, in the monster to Cork. Very massive upset. It's going to be a huge pressure, you'd imagine, on Peter Keane to, to start fast. Brian? Without a doubt, you know, and and what uh, I would say about this this current set, Kerry side, they're not the greatest side, but they've great potential to score. They do. Four very very talented forwards there, and, and uh, I think Galway started with a great swagger with Parik Joyce in charge there last year in the league, but they seem to go backwards from that. I, I think I think that that Kerry uh, will have too much for them down there in, in Killarney. Yeah, it's a really tough place to go, and when you consider too, Kerry were league champions last year. They really did uh, put the even Donegal went there. Donegal were uh, in the position, obviously. They were, no, we, we didn't feel that strong. That's team right. We were saving players, I think, coming into that that particular game. But Kerry uh, couldn't have foreseen what was coming against uh, Cork, uh, and that just shows you the beauty of the the one underdog can upstage the favourite brain. Oh, there's no doubt. And I, I remember Cork doing it way back in, in the eighties when Kerry was flying high. They caught them with a late goal there, and, and you know Cork always have good talent. Of course, I know that myself because my wife is a Cork woman. Well, you get, uh, get extra points for that comment too, Brian. <laughs> but it's, 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 they always have the talent. There's no doubt about that. Oh, definitely and so. The main game in Cork is you know with the hurling, you know. That's right. It's such a it's very passionate about their uh, hurling down in Cork and. Uh, just a touch as well uh, on the the following day the, in the league uh, you have Monaghan playing Armagh on on the Sunday and that's yeah, at, yeah. at Bristol Park. I, I have a fancy that that this Armagh side might go uh, an extra journey this year. I think you'll see Armagh in in, in an Ulster final. Predict that now as I, as we speak. Yeah, and, uh, McGinley, If you think back to our match against Armagh uh, that day in the second half. When Armagh got themselves together, they were on top of us in the second half. We're a better team, team than we were in the second half. Yes. And we did take a foot of the pedal, and once you take your foot of the pedal in football, it's very hard to regain. But uh, they have a lot of good players, and with the star Donahue up there helping them, that'll be that'll be a big addition to the middle as well. He's a, he's, a, he's a massive speaker, I believe, and he's a great help to any side that he's involved in. Well, when you see the experience he has in terms of all Ireland uh, medals as well, I think Armagh will be looking at using maybe uh, the attacking mm-hmm. uh, options that he can bring in the sense of advice to that uh, the Armagh forwards. Like, although I gather in the newspaper I heard that Jimmy Clark might be available, but that might be the biggest loss. You know, sometimes when you're dependent on Jimmy Clark, he can let you down. So I wouldn't say that that he'd be a loss of a kind, but I, I think they've enough talent in Armagh to have 
people that step into his place. That's right. And of course, then you have Banty with uh, the Monaghan situation. There's a, a slight bit of controversy there, too. If yeah, you he, he, he has a point to prove. He will. For my, for my, my mother being from Toronto, my, my dad's Monaghan, because I went to the boarding school in Monaghan as well. But the Bantys, you know, will have, will have, a, have a point to prove himself. But, uh, you know, I've seen whatever way the league matches go, I think they'll be scheduled to play in the Ulster semi-final if things go to plan. That'll, be, that'll be an intriguing uh, that'll game. That'll be an intriguing tie that particular day. And I have a feeling that come the championship, one way or other, no matter how the league match goes, and it's, it's been played in a, in, in a, in, in a skill because... A man trans or man transgressed with the training. That's <laughs> right. Training. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, that's yeah, but that's a as I say, it was a bit of a controversy, but it's all uh, done and dusted now. I'm sure, and they'll be looking forward to this first game against Armagh. Yeah. Uh, Russ Common played Dublin in, in Doctor Hyde Park, uh, Brian, and of course Dublin's out of Crow Park as well as the out of Crow Park. That'd be a lot easier to play, and Russ Common always have good talented forwards. But I, I think it maybe it's a step too far. Like Russ Gammon are kind of a yo-yo team that we've been up and down, but they they can't seem to cement a place there at, at the top table. No, uh, they're capable down in Canada on on, on given days to beat either me or Galway. And um, on those days, they the over the I'd say over the last four years they've won two Connor titles. That's right. But they're a dangerous team, and they're one of them teams. Russ Gammon on their day, they're a handful for any team. Always produce good forwards, uh, Ruscalman, you know, and it's uh, really hard to beat. There's no doubt about that. But I think Dublin would just have to just have too much armory in the in the team, you know, to yeah. not, not do the business. And they'll have a point to prove after we found out at the training. Poor Desi, Desi Far, but his Donegal connection was caught with his trousers down. But that's right. I suppose there's many other counties were training that weren't caught. That's true. That, that could be well true, Brian. Indeed. And when you look at it now. Brian, and I know the Ulster and the Provincial Championship has been so important to Donegal down through the years. You know, it's it's, it's very special to, to Donegal people and throughout the, the, the county and to other many other counties as well. But do you, how do you feel the current um, situation is, Brian, with the Provincial Championship, where they've been so lopsided? Do you think there needs to be a restructuring of the championship going forward? I don't really know. Like there's come turns, you know. You know, like we're happy to be in the ascendancy, and Tyrone happened to be in the ascendancy. But you know, Ulster is a strange province, uh, and you know things can turn around very, very quickly. It's the best championship in the, in the country. Would pay a lot, shot. It is. I always go back to 1983. We had come out of Division Four, and we were playing uh, for Manor, who'd been Ulster final at 82. And had a good side, and they came to Ballyshan, and the loser of that game was going back to Division Four. Yeah, think about that one. Yes, and lucky enough, we beat them in, in Ballyshan, beat them well. And uh, about six weeks later, or five weeks later, it was uh, they used to play two Ulster Championships on, on a given Sunday. Uh, we were playing Armagh, who were Ulster champions in Bally Buffet, and uh, Fermanagh were playing Down, who were National League champions, and Irvinstown and both. For Man and Donegal won the matches. I see, and that will just tell you what Ulster's all about because it's, it's only some years back when uh, an Antrim team came into Balbuffy and turned us over as well. That's right. Is a minefield, Brian? It's just a minefield. So you know, there's not an awful lot wrong with the Ulster Championship. You but, know? but I must admit, Brian, it's it's definitely not the Ulster Championship I'd be alluding to. But what I mean is, when you sit down to watch the Leinster Championship, oh, well, that's different. You know, you know, they're other. There's some way around that, but you see, the provincial councils are very, very strong. I haven't sat in the Ulster Council for many years, 
they will not want to give up their autonomy. No. That's where the problem would lie for, for the open draw. It would be nice. Wouldn't it be lovely to see the likes of Mead in them, though, and Kildare pulling up their socks yes. and sort of putting it to Dublin a bit more? Well, you see, what would be, what would be good now would be if, if they would experiment for a year or could have another competition that could lead into the all Ireland of an open draw. That, that would it definitely would whet the appetite of the supporters. But it's very hard to get the provincial councils to agree to that. You can take that now as red. It is. It isn't. It isn't an easy decision. That's going to come down the track, and that's going to keep coming. I suppose the potential of the restructuring of the championship. But uh, as I say, the provincials definitely is is such a it's such a mouthwatering uh, proposition when you think of it in Ulster every year. Everyone looks forward to it. Even in, in Connacht and in Munster, there's credible arguments that you know it's it's good as it is. But as I say, Leinster is the real the real big problem, really. Yes, it is. It is, it is, it is. Uh, well, it's the dominance of, of uh, Dublin over the last number of years, which has which really tore the arse out, but to be honest with it you. Has, you know, it has. It's not good when games aren't competitive. It's not a good not watch. Good. Not good. When you're talking about Kildare, would you believe I was with my daughter, uh, and my wife was with me, coming from Dublin, and I stayed in Clane last night. You, you stayed where? In Clane in County Kildare. Oh, I see. There have a population of about 6,000 people, and there's a great community there. I was quite surprised. As I'd only been there once before. Ah, uh, kind of killed there. Uh, I went over and it was kind of ladies' girls' day, and my son-in-law was up with under eight girls, which was <laughs> yeah. So I was over there, and there was a great buzz. But what I was really enjoyed was the amount of, of of mothers that were there supporting because it was under eight, on under ten, under twelve girls training. That's not good. And great to see. So then it materialised that the senior club team were training. So I came back down to watch them train, you know, and they they had a very good record way back. But in the 90s, they would have won at least four, if not five, uh, Kildare Championships. I see. Martin Lynch would have played with them, Woody McCreary. There are a lot of good players over that period of time. Well, Kildare have always but, been one of them teams as well. They've always produced good uh, footballers. I, I watched them train, although they were into only the third session. I was quite impressed with them. All always good big men. Yeah. But uh, always felt there was a wee bit of... They weren't strong enough in the stomach when it came to the real battle. It came to the crunch. It came to the crunch. They were soft. Well, when you, yeah, when you think back to the '98 All Ireland final, of course, Galway. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, Mick O'Dwyer was leading out Kildare, but of course, John O'Mahony's uh, Galway won that uh, All Ireland. Oh, yeah, it was actually at the semi-final that year as well when they beat Kerry. Yes, that was when the, the, the door opened for for Galway to to yeah. win that, but. Um, just just a word uh, before we leave the league, uh, Brian, uh, on Donegal. Is there any players that are coming, uh, like did you see yourself, um, coming through under the radar that could be breaking on the Donegal team in, in the next while? Because well, I, I know that my nephew Terry, who's based in Letterkenny, has his own Peter that played uh, under 20 last year. And I saw him playing against Bundo one on two occasions last year. He's very impressive. He's a wing half back. Yes. And Ferry, Ferry will be back from Gidor. And, of course, we have Gillespie. That's right. Uh, there's a lad from down at Ishone, and just as we speak, and I'm good at names now, he's alluded to me that I think he will be a key player in this particular uh, league campaign. But his name's gone for me now at the yeah. minute. That's what, what the local priest would call a senior moment. A senior <laughs> moment. Well, I can't think of hand myself, Brian. But, um, yeah, of, of course, when you talk then about your own club there, the to produced good players in for Donegal in the last number of uh, last number of years as well, and and currently like Jimmy Brennan and Paul Brennan, uh, 
Brian? Uh, Jim, Jimmy had, had had underage when he was under 12. He was only nine. Yes. And I remember the first time I took over them, we were down at the parochial hall training, and I, I went over to him because he was quite small. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing here? I says, I want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I'm nine. <laughs> I says, you shouldn't be here at all. But anyway. He, he loved it. He proved himself, and he, he's a fine young boy as well. Didn't his play as well last year, and I was had hope for, and he was disappointed that day against Calvin in the Ulster final. Yeah, and just I spoke yeah. afterwards about it, you know. But uh, he's built himself up well, and I, I expect now, and he trained on his own all yeah. during the winter. And he's, he he looks stronger, fitter than I've seen him. Well, it's, it's hopefully, yeah, do a lot more. But he'd be under a lot of pressure. The coolers of a good young man coming in there, you know what? He's a hell of a good player. Well, that's, that's what I mean. It's, there's always places up for grabs in the Donegal team, Brian. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and that's that, well, but that's what you need to keep players on their toes. You do. And like, what, one thing I would say about Donegal is their squad is definitely uh, impressive the last number of years, growing and growing. Well, that's, that's, that, that's the most important thing because like, when you're playing three National League games and three Sundays in a row, you know, there's going to be injuries and a possible suspension, possibly, hopefully not. That's true. You always need that extra. Other than it, just we have to fail of those there as well. It's definitely a squad game, though. Uh, like if, oh, it's it's always. Very much so, sure. You could even look across channel there with Man United. There, they've lost the last two matches because they said they're a good squad, but when it came to it, they had not that great, great a squad. No, I don't think they have the depth, to be honest with you. No. Don't don't think to have quality and depth, but uh, no, uh, it, it is definitely going to be exciting to see the, the Donegal team uh, over the next while. And of course, there's a man from as well, Oshin Gallon. I think he's going to be a big star for Donegal That's over the next. Cool's man, I'm talking about. Yes, McCool's. Yes, I saw him here in Bundor last year, and he, he succeeded in beating Bundor. Yes, oh, he's got he's got some talent, hasn't he? He was listed inside, but he played all over the pitch, and he amassed a score, maybe for goal and seven. He's, he's just got great ability. I remember seeing him recall last year against Tyrone as well in that game in, in Balbafay that he, he took a couple of great points. Uh, great self-belief and confidence in himself. You know, at that, that point he kicked against Tyrone. It was, it was a man that would bring in a conference, uh, conference at a very important point at a particular time because there wasn't much in it. Yeah, it was a skyscraper too, I seem to recall. Yeah, yeah. but a great, great player. But... Uh, we'll just talk, I suppose, now, Brian, on to your more about yourself. That's the the, the league, and of course, looking forward to to. And we wish Donegal all the very best for that game against Tyrone in Healy Park. And just want to talk about yourself, Brian, before we move on to what what you did with Donegal as a player manager. Uh, you had incredible success with St Joseph's, uh, and uh, of course, then you moved on. And when the St Joseph's divided, you you won a a, 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 a county challenge with, with Bundoran. You have eight eight in total. It 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 it, for it grew out of a, a strange uh, that uh, both teams were struggling and we in Bundoran I remember we played in a minor uh, semi final against the Nardra Kelly Beg selection about nineteen fifty eight. Yeah, and we were struggling to to, to get fifteen. We had beaten Ballyshannon. I see. But then in fifty nine, then the decided well, to see the preponderance players, nearly all the players except myself and Father McDade, who was the Bishop of Clare there up until recently. Uh, when, well, when we went to Monaghan, but the rest all went to De La Salle College in Ballyshannon, secondary school there. Yes. So, uh, suggested by own Roe O'Neill there that they might amalgamate the minor teams. And we got to the county final that year, and Donald Breslin, a good door beat us. Uh, I remember Donald getting two goals in the second half. Yes. And the following year, the amalgamation was still there, and, and, uh, 
a good run low side beat us. But the following year we beat a good run low side with maybe five in the running on minor panel. And uh, I remember I went to Canada then in 62. And in 63, uh, I think Pondrone failed the field as a junior team. We're going, they weren't going to field as a junior team. So that chat uh, conversations with Ballyshan, who were going very badly at the time. And that's where St. Joseph's came out of. But the reason it was successful was uh, a group of players come up together. There was uh, Jimmy Grant and Porrick McShay, Declan O'Carr and Mickey McLoon. And they were all De La Salle lads. Mac McNaught, who later became head of board Fawcett. Kieran Dolan, and they all went to De La Salle, and it, all, it just gelled. Yes. And I missed the early years because I was in Canada when they played in 1963 and 64 when McCool, who were country champions, beat them back to back. But my father took a, took a stroke in the 65 and I was home, and we won the championship that year. Or let me say we stole the championship that year from Zenties. Yes. So we should have won it. And... Uh, then in 66, for reasons best I've talked about, it was never played. There was supposed to be a final between uh, McCool's and St. Joseph's. And McCool's didn't want to play at McCool Park, and the county chairman, Danny Midlinchy, God rest him, uh, wanted, he was county chairman at the time, wanted the match played in Letter County because McCool's wanted to play it. And between the jigs and the reels, it was never played. I see. <laughs> it never happened. Never happened. And then in 67, a, a, a good... Playing St. Junior's team beat us in the county final after a replay. We came back at 68 and we had won the Ulster Club Championship, beating Cross Midlane in the final at Casement in March. The uh, Club Championship of 67. Yes. And, playing. and the reason came to March 68 was because the foot and mouth disease put, brought all of the football to a halt. And we beat them in, in, in Casement Park and I was lucky enough to be captain team. And then we went, to, went on and won the All Ireland Club Championship at 68. I see. That's a, fine, that's a fine achievement, Brian. Well, it was played home and away. The first leg was in Bundor and the second leg was down in Chum Stadium because the pitch wasn't up to standard. I see. But that's... Uh, so it's yeah. a only golf club football at that time. St. Judas beat us in the county final in 69. But we came back in 70 and won it again and then went on again and won four in a row and then Bundor had got very strong and the one intermediate championship was played for the first time in 77. So yes. we went up senior, and that was the end of St. Joseph's as such. Yes. It was and we won a senior championship in a row then in 79. Bundorn, yeah. Yeah. But what, when you look back, what do you think was the, the key you know, ingredients to success in that St. Joseph's side? Yeah, right. The, the, there was, a, there was a, a great self-belief among the players. You know, Mickey McLuhan is a player that would be long forgotten at this stage, but he was unfortunate in his early in his playing career. He he had cartilage problems and cartilage problems was a very big operation but like the cruciate ligament nowadays and Mickey uh, was that sort of player he had a, a great self-belief yes and you know and the pity was that that come 1972 when he made a first breakthrough that he, he was out of action I see and in fact in, in 72 who was missing as well was Nelly Gallagher yes he wasn't the team that particularly I think it could have been in Scotland I see but if we had those two players against Offaly that day in 72, there's no doubt that we would have gone the whole way to the All-Ireland final. Yeah, it could be a different story. It would have been a different story. You know, 
well, we had them on the ropes and we had a very good goal disallowed before half time. I don't know whether a scumming referee disallowed it, but be that as it may, it would have made a hell of a difference. Could have put us in with a seven point lead at half time, which they would have found very hard to pull back. A bad break for you, just, you know. Just bad break at the time, you know. Yeah. But then we got thrown, come into Malibu the following year, right? which is anything else. The crowd intimidated us. Yes. Much. And then the following year, we turned them over at 74. Yes. Uh, and went on to win those two championships. We played down a replay, and in the, in the, the replay match, they were up by nine points for 12 minutes ago, and we came back and beat them to a shameless boner. God be good to him, kick two penalties. Good player, yeah. A very good player. Seamus was a good guy. And, and in fact, in my years, my five years there winning Ulster Championship, Seamus was involved either as a player or a mentor with me all those years. Yes. And we had a great friendship. Seamus was uh, outside uh, Donegal Town from Bar. And when he was young, that he played junior club football for, for Thrum Bar. Then he started to play with four masters and then he transferred to, Dome, to civil service where he gave them an awful lot of service up there. Yeah, what, what a good guy. What one of the great Donegal players of all time. Ah, good and a good fellow. Yeah, definitely so. But may he rest in peace. And when you look at the success you had, Brian, you know there with, with Donegal, as I say, all their their, their five Ulster titles, seventy two, seventy four. You had an All Star yourself in, in seventy two. Yeah. I got sacked by the way in seventy four. In case you don't know. Yes, you got. To, well, I was I was figuring something happened, Brian. When you come back, you came back in. I was playing football uh, but from the time I lived in Canada I used to go to down as week, weekends to play for Cavan yes. and then in the early 70s I started to play with Kerry and unfortunately in 1974 I got a trip to New York to John Kerry O'Donnell and of course he was a, he was a wild character he arranged that the New York Championship final would be played by Johnny God were over there and he was in it but Johnny God New York and Kerry New York and here was me playing for Kerry so when I came back, I got my P45. I see. It didn't go down well. It didn't go down well, and I suppose in hindsight, which was nice. There was a bit of tightness there, like Donegal had never asked me out, so I was a bit a bit uh, miffed by that, you know, but be that as me, it's, it's all of the past. Well, that's it, and again, you came back and uh, rejuvenated, and you won Donegal's uh, third Ulster title as well uh, in the 80s. Yeah, that was, that was the start, I suppose, really, of those lads. Yes. Uh, coming through, uh, I remember introducing them. Boys like Matt Gallagher, they were only 17, Mark McHugh, who hadn't been on the minor team the day before. I, I picked him because I had seen the county final of 1980 between uh, Kilcar and Arthur A. Yeah. And he kicked about 8 or 9 points that day. Yeah. I always remember for a great display by Michael Carr at centre half back. He, he gave an outstanding display from centre half back. What year was that, Brian? Uh, 1980. 1980. Yeah, we gone back in eighty, and then we won it in eighty three. That's right. That was our third Ulster title. And then we we got promotion up, and we were up in Division Two, and just fell short to the wasn't funded funded available to train at that time. And Cavan trained hard to beat us in a match that wasn't that overly important to them, and uh, we lost out in promotion. And yeah, we, we lost it down then by a point in the championship, and I got. Sacked again. <laughs> I see. Now is it? Uh, it well, to be fair about it, to be fair about it, Tom Conan had come up with uh, another twenty-one All Ireland in eighty-two, and he was keen to have a go at it. And they would be a very good friend of Tom's, and uh, he was entitled to his, his, his run at it. And at the time, the hotel had exp- ex- extended a good bit, and I, I was working hard. As we had a, 
we're running dances. So give you a chance and, to focus on that too. Well, that's just it. Yeah, you were probably kind of, and it just shows you though your passion though for Donegal football, Brian. When you kept coming back into the job, because you know when you came back in again in eighty nine, we're coming towards the big one now here. Of course, you led Donegal to their uh, fourth and fifth Ulster titles in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, well, you know, I wanted to win the other before I was fifty. You just about made it. <laughs> you set yourself a wee challenge. Yeah. But uh, that was a labour of love, you know, and I knew that I knew the talent was there, you know, and it was a matter of just getting it together, you know. Yeah. So in nineteen eighty one, having been beaten in the, the semi final by a very strong Leeds team in nineteen ninety, uh, we came up short in the Ulster final, and I wouldn't mind, but we played that down team that won the All Ireland in ninety one. We played them in the league in the McKenna Cup, and we we beat them out the gate in both days, you know. But the Ulster final, we never, we never got out of the blocks. Didn't happen, and, and no. if it can happen, that can happen in Gaelic football. And of course, uh, Brian, when you look at it, I suppose down were the catalyst to what happened. Uh, Ulster teams, it, it showed what could be done when they won the Ireland ninety one. And great credit to them for playing it down. You know that they, they led the way at that time. You know, but at that at the same time, that didn't take away from the fact that I felt it, it was going to be our Ulster title. But we we we, we didn't deserve it because we didn't play on the day. You know, no, yeah, just to t- to talk about the Ulster championship, Brian, just to go through. Uh, some of the games, uh, the, the 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 key in ninety two, uh, the year of course, a great year that Donegal football fans will never forget. Well, we were we went into Breffney that year, and and, and Cavan, who had a good squad of players there in the nineties, Cavan gave it, gave us a hell of a scare. I can tell you that. Yeah, and and, and uh, we had to make changes very very early on, which tightened up things, and uh, we got out of the draw. The we we came on kicked it. A point from about 60, 60 yards a out. A monster, a monster kick. Monster point. They, they, they're full forward. Damien O'Reilly, who was really a full back, kicked a, a point that you wouldn't see room to kick the ball in. But be that as it may, when we got the back to Bala Buffet, we, we put them to bed. Yeah, well, it was a massive, uh, it was actually, massive. it was 115 to 115 on May 24th, 1992 to draw. And the replay was uh, the following week on May 31st. And it was Donegal, 20 points, Kevin, 1-6. They got a late goal. Yeah, so you won, you won out the gate there, 11 yeah. points. And uh, it was... we played for Mana and we, we, did, we had a poor enough first half. And unfortunately for Mana, one of the backs made the road here neighbouring club of Devonish, which is Garrison. Uh, he got sent off and uh, it was a stroll in the park from the second half. That's right, 2.17. Yeah, and they weren't happy that day and I remember we Mark McHugh speaking up in the dressing room, we felt we weren't fit. But we, we tightened up the training and we done some stamina training before, after, directly after we played a, a championship match, we went into stamina training for a week and then we went into a sharp training. And by the time we got the Ulster final, we were, we were in very good shape. There's no point in saying otherwise. Well, yeah, you, you knew what was coming ahead. It was uh, the, the challenges were getting stiffer. Well, Derry were an awesome force at the time. They were after winning the National League. Yes. Against Bone. And um, we we were unfortunate then in a couple of ways. We, we, we lost Tony Boyle to injury. And then John Cunningham was unfortunately sent off. He didn't hit the man, but he made a right high tackle and he had to go because yes. it striking or attempted to strike but in the second half I think our display in the second half was the best we, I think we ever played well under pressure too Brian you know under pressure but uh, the boys really rose to it you know like I mean, say, the performance by some of the players like Tommy Ryan particularly Mark McHugh in the second half 
Orion and, and, and Malloy dominated the midfield in the second half and the defence was magic and still see Hegarty and Don O'Ree coming up to win and hitting super balls up to the lads up front Barry McGowan in that corner back What a player and what was even a wee bit annoying was when I look back and if you ever get a chance to take a look at the video take a look at the goal because I'm still convinced it was a square ball Seamus Downey was in the square yes but be that as it may we came back from that goal yes in the second half and that was the sign of the, you know the tough things great, to come great, over. great champions going into the semi-final against Mayo it was it was more to do with the heads than with the football that we had a desperate match against Mayo. Desperate. Yeah. And what do you think, Brian? Was I know it can happen, and any team, no team goes out to play badly. But, but we, had, we had never won a championship match in Croke Park. Now we won. I, I was playing there back in back in 1972 in the old grounds tournament semi final against Scam, and then we won there in Croke Park. But we've never won a championship match, and that was just all in the head. Yes. But uh, when Manus came in that day, Manus steadied up the ship. Yeah, Manus Boyle came off the bench. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. I can still remember John Cunningham at the back of the bench. Time for Manus. <laughs> <laughs> Manus was the time to be called on the... the oh, he was, he was, I tell you what he was. He was a big game player. Yes. He was nervous steel and he, he was a very accurate free taker. But, you know, when you look at it there, yeah, and definitely so, Manus Boyle, and he went on to, to, before we get on to the all and finally, he, he definitely showed that. But when you look at that game against Mayo, like Donegal won the game 13 points to nine. The game's... Uh, heralded as one of the games that wasn't one of the lesser classics, but still to knock over thirteen points, I suppose, in a game. That yeah, I suppose we could have, we could have made it one twelve because we got a penalty and that. There's a great caption there late in the game, me pointing up to the sky to McHugh before he kicked the penalty. I wanted over the bar. Yes, take your point. <laughs> which, which was going to give us the four point lead. I would I would have put my hat on him that he would have scored a goal for the penalty but it was a good enough score but we didn't play well in the, until into the second half we picked it up sometimes Brian too it's all about getting that getting the win you know well that's the important thing though, is to get the win yeah and uh, when you can win not playing at your best that's a sign of a good team too well then when we got to the final then it was all ahead full steam you know we, 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 we stayed very focused we never lost a focus for that there, and the fact we were playing Dublin took a lot of pressure off because Dublin were rolling favours for the game, and we, we let them take the headlines, and we stayed in the background. And I remember having a having a, a press night on the Tuesday before, uh, Tuesday week before the All Ireland, and then the following night we went down to 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 uh, Kilcar away from the crowds altogether. Yes, we had a good tight in training session, you know, and I told the lads not to read any papers. Or talk to any press, you know, just stay away from everything. And we done that there. I said, keep your papers left at all, Ireland. Well, you were da- you were right because you know anything that can creep into the head is is better keeping it away. And then we stayed in a hotel called the Finchtown House. Well, we outside looking there, outside Dublin, so that we'd be away from everything. But we went to the see the Greyhounds the night before, and uh, I remember just I said to, to, to Francie, Francie. Uh, to take the, the bus, we we never change buses. Although CAU offered as a coach, Francie had provided the coaching before. So he, I said, drive them up O'Connell Street to the sea. And of course, the crowd saw the bus going up. They were delighted. Oh, I'd say that we didn't we didn't stop. We kept going out. I see. We we uh, done everything right, and then we had this. Then with choice, then 
just before the match. The boys were out watching the minor match, and I stayed inside. I was never much good out watching games before games. And Michal Gillespie, who was the centre council delegate at the time, came in and told me Joyce's brother was dead. Yes. So I paced up and down, and I, it was as calm before it. And when Matt Gallagher came in, he says, what's wrong with you? They never said anything to him. But I decided that if Joyce's brother was dead, that Joyce's brother would want Joyce to play in the final. Yes. I that just in my own head, and nothing was said before it. So you didn't so see yeah. Afterwards, I, Bishop Henry was there, and Dr. Austin Kennedy was there, and we took Joyce into the shower, we told him his brother was dead. So we said we'd wind down the celebrations out in Malahide, and four of the boys would go home with Joyce. Yes. Then Joyce's sister got her way into the dressing room. She says, Gerald's not dead. So I luckily had multi-stud boots, so I bolted out and up the Hogan stand into the breast, into the Highland section. <laughs> I says, I want to phone. And I rang 21996, which was Joyce's home number. Yeah. And his mother answered the phone. And I says, great day. He says, yeah. I says, Gerald, there she is. He's sitting here. I says, that's great news. Right. So I got good news. So I, I said, I, I do one other thing. I said, I phoned up home place, the Hollywood where my mother lived. Yes. So I phoned my mother and she, she just, she says, Ben, holding up the phone. The traffic's not moving. I wonder what all they're doing is jammed, packed with cars and they're, all they're doing is blowing horns here. So I came down the steps and I said, Joyce's brother wasn't dead, Gerald. And she died a couple of months later. Yeah, but how was that mistake made, though, Brian, that uh, you were told that? Ah, you know, people come in and, you know, God bless Michal Gillespie, and I was doing it his week there a couple of months back. Uh, but I suppose as a central council delegate, it was only right to tell me that he was dead, you know. Yes, that's true. But, uh, it was the last sort of news I needed before the, the All Ireland final. But, but uh, I got it. Out, I got it out of my head for the time being. It didn't. Does it come into my head? But he didn't. He didn't actually. Had, he hadn't died at that point, though. No, he hadn't died. He died a couple of months later. Yeah. But um, yeah, definitely. May he rest in peace, uh, Brian. No. Yeah. He, he wasn't keeping well. Jared. No. It was only a matter of time. I think. You know, at that particular time. But, but then we got onto the pitch, and we we done everything that we felt we should do. And I'm going over the dugout with, with Seamus Bonner and Andy Malloy and, and, and Andy Hark. And I said, I'm not happy the boys are uh, they're, they're still full of nerves, you know. Yes. And we started off nervous enough. And, and uh, Martin kicked a free wide at the start, which was, was surprising, you know. Yes. And um, uh, Keith Barr, who was playing on centre-half back, said to me, yeah, haven't got that beep. Yes. <laughs> so the wee man kept his counsel anyway. And the wee man kicked his third point just before half time. He was going past Barry. He says, We'll see now who's got the beef for it. Yes. <laughs> he showed him. He did. He let his uh, football do the talking. I remember, I remember Keith Barr when he was clearing the ball one time and the man has took him out of it. I suppose at this day he would have got a yellow card at least for it. Yes. <laughs> Different but teams, he but he was putting down a marker. But you, you must have used uh, Brian uh, before we come back to the final itself. You must have used sort of Dublin's um, overconfidence going into that final as motivation. Oh yes, oh yes, but, but a lot of reasons. You know, it was just there. Tommy Carr, who was actually a temporary man playing for Dublin, 
we talked about with, with we'd like to see Tommy Carr going up the steps and Auntie Malloy, you know, but we had a lot of different things, you know, like when we took our bus into from Donegal Town where we always met, into the broad road as they say into Pettigrew, I always refer to that as that pole that Donegal flags in every second pole, would you believe? Yes. We got in there and uh they had a big painted poster up there as we went into the village. Ulster says Sam. Yes. And we came in and there was a tractor trailer and there was people playing music there and they were playing Walking Tall and Donegal and Chairman spoke and I spoke and Malloy spoke and they gave us all scratch cards. Scratch cards. And don't read, don't read actually what won £50 on this scratch card card. Donald was happy. So what I didn't know being involved in the county board was that Pettico didn't take up the full allocation of tickets. Oh, I see. So I used that as part of motivation before the match. I says, you know, when we stopped Pettico yesterday, I says, the people down Pettico had the wherewith to go to the match. That's right. You used it as a, said, a positive. We, we will not go back to Pettico, which was due to go on Tuesday without Sam. Yes. And then we spoke about the, the, the player, people abroad and the people at home. Listening that we're never going to let those people down at any stage of flagging. I said, think about that. Yeah. Just, and I talked to them then about the ways of Tory, that we would keep going at them and at them and at them, no matter how the game was going, that we wouldn't let up, and that's the way we played. Well, what a performance, Brian, when you look at it, Donegal, you know, in the sense of, you know, it was such a, a fine performance from 1 to 15, every single man. Oh, yeah, it was, it was wonderful for performance, but they were a wonderful set of lads, you know, to be there for a while. They were an experienced bunch, don't forget. That's right, and they had they had uh, suffered disappointment in previous years, and that probably helped too, yeah, Brian. See, when you think back, there was four men with knee bandages. Yes. There was Rambo, and there was Anthony Malloy, and there was Noel Hegarty. And I, I and, and, and and Tony Boyle and you know they all were haunted with the knees, even though Tony was young. But Anthony had it from he was a very young boy when I met him as a seventeen year old seventeen year old at the Sandfields outside outside our drive where they would play, you know. Yes. And he, he had knee problems and Anthony would go to the train with he pat on his knee and come back with a bike of ice. Yes, he'd had problems that young. Orthopedic surgeon Sligo told him in nineteen one not to be playing at all. Yes. I sent him to a different orthopedic man and he gave him a green light. I see, so he, he got the he got the go ahead. He was he was a, an amazing man and he was a great leader of men, that's why he was captain. I know what yeah, definitely what a, a fit fitting captain and when you, I can just imagine that now, you know, when you see Anthony Malloy, it's such an important image for Donegal, people all all over the world, Brian, when you see oh, that yeah, final was go. Outside of that he was a he was a hell of a guy though. Yes. Just a hell of a guy. He was a very nice fellow, Anthony Malloy. He had a great captaincy. Just, he had that, that extra bit. I'm sure he showed it when he spoke after, of course, at the All Ireland. But then those other things happened. Arthur McCrory there, who went involved with the Ulster team, but for years would be a distant cousin of my own. He'd then been there with Tyrone, and John O'Mahony had been there with me. And they were very helpful. They could give me a lot of, 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 of stuff. Yes. Uh, in preparation for the final. And then on the Sunday before, I remember Sean O'Neill went down football of phone me. And yeah. O'Neill, I knew from my days in the Ulster team, wasn't talking to me, he was talking down through the phone at me. Yes. <laughs> and he says, he says, you'll have to get Mark McHugh to go down the barrel of the gun. 
and I used to have work to him, you know. Yes. And uh, he went down the barrel of the gun that day, you know. And, and when he kicked the third point, it was then I knew they were going to win it for sure. Yes. Because well. we were all settled in and we knew what we had to do. And I knew we could take the game to Dublin because we'd played them in the leagues before. And we knew that we, we were a good fit for them because the league in, 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 in March were two late goals and we had them bet that day in Breffney. That's but right. They were, they were great things. And, that oh, and, and, and that's an awesome man, me, myself, uh, Brian, that image of Declan Boner putting over that 18th point to put Dublin oh, sure. Which I can always see him with the fist up. Yeah. And then he went, he went to ground at the very end of the match. <laughs> so he was hurt to kill some more time. Yes. Before Tommy Sugru called for the ball. But that sort of, <laughs> that, that really put paid to, to Dublin's chances because it put that. Oh, there's no doubt about that. It did. At the same time, when you think back, uh, we James hit the crossbar with a shot in the first half. That's right. And it could well have been a goal. It could have been then a Then Matt put, put one over the bar. Remember, you seen him holding his head afterwards. It could have been a wider and victory then, again. And then, then, then Manus took a point. Now, I was happy with Manus taking the point that time. And Declan was inside. That's right. We could have hit him for three goals. Like, it could have been, as I say, like it was a four-point margin, but uh, we definitely could have at least got one goal that day. But it, it, it doesn't matter now, Brian, when you look at it. We won All-Ireland, yeah. and uh, you were uh, instrumental in the players. In, and then we get the sad situation of Martin Shovlin. Yes. Possibly one of the greatest men of all, do you know, that uh, no man ever wore his jersey, jersey with the same pride as Martin Shovlin. He was an unreal man, given the fact he was only 11 stone. man was made of steel. Yes. And the morning of the match, he'd got out, picked up an injury at training, and Austin O'Kenny went out to test him out at the grounds of the hotel. There was a good grounds there, and Austin was just kicking the ball at him, so I gassed Austin for the ball, and I drilled the ball over to his left side. The Duke was on the grass, and he went down. Yes. And he didn't, he didn't get up. It's a sad story. So he looked up on the, for a strange, the only time I ever saw a tear in his eye, he had a tear in his eye, and he said to me, I can't go, he just called me the old man, I can't go, old man. Ah, uh, that's a hard reason. But I had gone, I had gone to, uh, See a match between uh, Neve Colombo and Dunlow in Glenties of a wet evening, uh, Saturday week before the All Ireland. And John Joe Doherty gave a display that night, it was unreal. So I knew in my head that I had John Joe because John Joe was a great player. He was a great bandit again, you know. Great, great. And uh, I had John Joe going, I didn't want to disturb the full back line, so I put him in straight into the half back line, although he didn't. Play as a half back, but she did a super game in the half back line. But he's a super player, John Joe. He did, he definitely, you know, did great as, as to all the team, Brian. And when you look at it, such a big moment for Donegal and Donegal, as I say, people all around the world, uh, winning that. John Joe was an all star the following year, 93. Yes, 93. Ah, yeah, he was a great player, John Joe. But there were a lot of great players in that team. Definitely so. Just well, like we say, like Barry came out, Cunningham came off with Brian Borey. Brian Borey was carrying an injury into that game, you know. Yeah, you wouldn't tell it from his performance, though, and yeah. you know he ran a strong uh, performance. Well, well, he was there, although he kicked one or two bad wides, but he had a good performance up until that. But Barry Connick came in and he gave a super performance. He, he definitely, super. definitely did. When you look at it, going down the track again, Brian, in like after when you came back in again in two thousand and three, you know you led Donegal to the All Ireland semi final and uh, a game against Armagh where 
on a different day, Brian, we could have been in well, another we, Ireland we, final. We, we, we had great between they sent off three minutes into the second half, you know, for very little. Yeah. Uh, the the Arma man uh, got him sent off, you know, and and you know what? Uh, there's an old expression in Irish: "Filling Thaler and Alara." Yes. Uh, you know, and uh, he turned around. He was sent off in the final against Tyrone. Same man. Yeah, see, yeah. Marston. That, that's right. Came right. Came back to hunt him because we had done a lot of research in that Arma team, you know. Yes. And we were well up for that game, but just unfortunately, Raymond. And we just weren't fit to, 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 to hold it. But you're right. They were a good team, the Warmah. They were a good, strong team. They were, well, they were All Ireland champions that, that year, reigning All Ireland champions. And, and you were you were like, you were only a matter of points away despite the sending off, Brian. Yeah. Oh, it would have been a great final in Donegal and Toronto, wouldn't it? Oh, it would have been, it would have been a super final. And <laughs> that team would have been well capable. And, yeah. And, and uh, you've been a, uh, you having a, a sort of connection to your own brain that would have been oh special. yeah tell me all about it <laughs> it would have been even more special for your, you know for yourself but yeah you, you still when you look back brain at all you've achieved uh, you still must be very proud of what you've done GA oh, look at this the more than being in claim last night and being in there watching girls at under eight training and watching their senior team train you know that it's there and tonight I'm going up to see the under one under seventeen team train we we had them. I had them as a, on the fourteen team three years ago, so I still have a, an interest in them, you know. Well, you're just you're just happy with say anywhere you go, Brian, to watch football being played. Oh, I just I just would watch. I could be going into Grange, into Sligo, and I'd stop at Grange if there's a match going on there, and I'd be looking at particularly on the age. I always talk about a time when I was back in 1971. Uh, I was out playing a game against Tiffany Grange. They're, they call them Saint Malash, the two the two. two villages are amalgamated there and uh, I saw this young lad playing and uh, I said to a, a graze man, I said, that's a very good player. Ah, I said, he'll never make it. Four years later, I happened to be being sacked in Donegal and I went into Sligo. We were beaten in the first round of the championship and I went into Sligo and who was playing centre half forward? But the young lad I saw in Grange called Matty Ho, Ho Hoy or Hoey, whichever way yes. you want to. Great footballer. So you're his nephew plays for Bundor. What's that, sorry, Brian? I say his nephew plays for Bundor, Dara Hoey. Oh, I see. But so Matty Hoy was playing; he was only twenty years of age. So Same you, man that advanced from Grange told me that he wouldn't make it. So you, you basically you have an eye for talent. Just I always look for talent. And do you know what I do? I love talent. It's only very recently I was talking to John Mikey Duffy. Yes. And uh, I had not been observing maybe underage football in the town for a period of time. Mikey was the young boy coming up. And I saw him play against Bundoran and he scored a goal. He scored his third goal where he sent the Bundoran defence one way and with the other foot he kicked into the empty net. Yes. <laughs> And I was at the gate in Bundoran Park, and I clapped him. And the Bundoran man at the gate were looking at me, that's the way I do heads. <laughs> so you have to recognise talent. <laughs> well, you do, and you know, you see that all around the world sometimes. Ah, uh, yeah, you yeah, just, just love, love to see talent. When, you know? you're, when you're a sporting lover, you appreciate skill that's just shown. And I have a question, Brian, for you. I just, uh, this might be a tough question to ask you, but let's say if there was a transfer market. In, in the GA, let's say, in the early 90s. Now, this is a kind of a, a strange question to ask you. Is there one player outside Donegal that springs, springs to mind that if you could have had access to to, to sign for Donegal outside the county, which player would it have been? 
which one come to mind? Well, there'd be two of some men. There'd be uh, Tohill and there'd be Greg Blaney. would be two men, you know. Tohill and Blaney? Tohill and Blaney were two wonderful footballers at the time. Yeah, they were they were dominant players. Yeah. That's interesting, though. Yeah. No. And then, uh, you know, but at the same time, I wouldn't swap any of them because any of them for the only goal players that no, I had. No, that's it, because <laughs> that's a good answer, Brian. <laughs> but uh, I have to say, it's been a great pleasure, Brian, to have you on the podcast. Well, it's lovely. And by the way, it was a racist woman who introduced me to my good West Cork wife. I see. It's Christina Sweeney from the hotel. We were at college together in Dublin, all three of us. Christina Sweeney? Yeah, she's dead now, unfortunately. I see. She introduced you? Yeah. I see. So it's a, it's a small world, isn't it? And one of my favourite all-time songs is uh, Mary from Dunlow. Oh, that is a, a great great song, of course, but yeah, dating back years. That's Iceland. That's right. They started it all off. Top of the hit parade, 1968. That's right, and you know it's been an iconic song all down through the decades, Brian. Oh, I still listen to it. Yeah, and uh, I, I would like to say, Brian, to me, to me um, on behalf of all Donegal people that's listening to this podcast, and to me, me myself, to yourself, I want to say a big thank you for all you've done for Donegal GA, going back as the oh. 70s, and what you've done with All Ireland. It, it was a labour of love for a county that I love. Yeah, well, we certainly appreciate you. And as I say, when you, when anyone thinks about Donegal football, Brian, when you look at what, you, what you've achieved, it's <laughs> there doesn't come any bigger than Brian McEnough, and uh, it's been an honour. Oh, that right. Hey, thank you for those comments. Thank you very much, Brian, for being on the podcast. Son, yeah. thank you very much for the interview. Thank you very much. Well, folks, that was my interview with Mr. Brian McEnough, uh, the great Brian McEnough, uh, who uh, doesn't come much bigger in Donegal GA history, uh, what he've achieved, and, of course, winning the All-Ireland in 1992. And uh, I hope that you did enjoy that, the preview of the National Football League, and uh, what's to come as well uh, later uh, with the Championship, uh, with Donegal playing down away. Uh, keep on the lookout for episode 49, which is to come in uh, the next week or so. But until then, it's from me, Tony McGettigan, to you, the listeners, it's goodbye. For more on the Time Out Podcast, visit thetimeoutpodcast.ie. Thanks for listening.